Welcome to the seventh episode of TM Radio entitled True Parents as a Whole. I titled it this way because a lot of what we talk about is the value of father's leadership and mother's leadership and how they have unique attributes, but the fact that we need both attributes to really be able to reborn as children of Heavenly Parent. We also talk honestly about the challenges of growing up a second generation and hear an amazing testimony of a young first generation and an amazing power of healing comes through that process. Overall, the whole conversation was full of grace and healing, and I hope you enjoy it. Welcome, everybody, to this seventh episode of TM Radio. I am joined by two great friends and amazing women. I'm joined by Eko Martin and Romina Rahman, and these two ladies are pretty spectacular. I think they're a little nervous to join me on the podcast today. But I can't wait to hear their insights. Right now, Eko is a, of course, she's a wife, but she's also an artist. She's designing for wholesome stories. And Romina, along with being a a district pastor with her husband, she is a digital marketing strategist for a semiconductor company, which actually I didn't know until today. So outside of being wonderful lovers of true parents and heavenly parent, they're busy in their own lives. Can you both say hello to everybody today? Hey, hello. Hi, everyone. Thanks, Gayla, for having us here. Yes. And I want to give them an extra special shout out because they woke up early for this and Romina actually woke up at 5 a.m. So she deserves extra support (laughs) for getting through this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So today we are reading the speech from True Mother gave this speech at Father's 10th Sunghua anniversary which was earlier this year, August 14th, 2022 in Korea. And it's a rather short speech, but I really feel like there's some important content here. As we all know and remember, the 40 days before Father's 10th Sunghua anniversary, Mother asked us to do a condition with many different aspects, but the theme of it was let's meet True Father. So there were a lot of different activities, you know, reaching out to distant members, witnessing, doing Jungsung conditions, And the whole point was for us to really meet True Father through this condition while we celebrate his 10th Sunghua anniversary. So we'll begin. Mother begins with, Dear global leaders, distinguished guests, and beloved blessed families, did you meet Father today? What did the True Father say? Heavenly parents wish, true parents wish, is to live in the kingdom of heaven on earth where God can love and embrace all people on earth together with true parents and spread the ideal of creation throughout the world. Now, very simple few sentences there, but I do want to pause because I want to kind of get into this question of, did you meet Father today? And and what did True Father say? And, you know, maybe some of us watched the, the program that was held in Korea. There was a full-length, amazing musical about father's life. I was there in Korea at the time. Mostly I ran around the whole time dealing with situations, but there were a few moments that stood out to me. And the guy who played uh, Kim Il-sung and father, when they met each other in the, in the musical, had this hilarious laugh. And, you know, I was sitting with some of our guests that we had brought, our American guests. They're, you know, all, they all work in the geopolitical realm, a former ambassador, a former commander of the 
united forces in Korea, South Korea and America. And I was curious what their perception of all this is. You know, it's it's uh, it's not easy to bring that kind of person to this kind of program. <laughs> I was curious about it. So before we got there, you know, we walked around the complex and I showed them some nice sights and they sat through it. And, you know, what was interesting is nobody made a weird comment about it. Nobody asked me about it. But after this musical uh, and after that whole day, of course, we went through many conferences beforehand, they started talking more strategically about what we could do to work with North Korea. And it was it was interesting because it was a change of tone in the conversation we had had with them. And I, I feel like what they saw was how much True Father did, especially with North Korea and the relationship, the personal relationship that was built. It's one thing to talk about like Father met Kim Il-sung and they did this and they did that. But then to kind of have this emotional experience with music and production you have a different sense. And then, you know, they displayed the flowers from North Korea and all the different nations honoring father. And they told that story. And I I can see mother's strategy and mother's thinking, you know, she's a big proponent for arts and culture and how that can really speak in ways that words can't. And I could see the fruit of that. I could see how effective it was to show father's life. The same thing with Secretary Pompeo. He was definitely impressed. I mean, you know, realistically, there's a lot going on and I don't know how much they're getting from the whole program, but what they do get is meaningful and impressive. And I can applaud the efforts of international headquarters for putting so much effort into that kind of work to speak about father's life. Well, I, I just want to comment on on the program that you mentioned about, Kayla. I think um, sometimes it's easy to downplay the role of such musicals and such artistic stuff. Like we might sometimes want to get straight to the point and to the topic and, you know, why are we like dancing for an hour or something? But if we notice actually, uh, you know, how the world has influenced us and the youth and, you know, the generations, it's usually been through media, through entertainment, through music, through movies and musicals and all of that stuff. I mean, one simple song can influence a whole generation. So uh, sometimes, you know, it's easy to downplay the role of those and be like, wow, we're putting so much resources into like making like an entertaining thing for two hours, but actually it's really what moves people's heart and it can talk way more, I think, than actually we telling a story that father went to North Korea and met Kim Il-sung and all of that. So if we really want to meet father, I feel art is such an amazing way to really meet father. Like uh, we were watching it from home with our daughter and my husband and you know my daughter just like with dancing you know with some of the high points of dancing and then you kind of reflect on the lower points of explaining the story and yeah it's really moving even for for myself when father went to the spirit world 10 years ago i was in korea we just happened to be there fundraising and then we got blessed and lucky enough to actually go into the Sungwa, into the heavenly palace and uh, pay our honor to to father and i'd never met father alive before so for me, it was really, really special. And then 10 years later, I'm, I'm here with my own daughter, with my family, blessed family, and like, you know, watching this from the, from the TV. And 
I, I felt like a different meeting of father, you know, mother says, what did true father say to you? I felt like at that time, father wanted me to, like, he had a different message for me at that time. But this time I felt a different spirit from father. I felt pain at that time, but this time I felt hope and joy somehow. And I felt like, yeah, a, a redetermination, but a hopeful redetermination. Uh, at, at that time, it felt like I had to fight a fight. But this time it just felt like I had to build something beautiful. Thank you, Romina. That's beautiful. It's interesting. I had a very different take on the musical. I, just for the audience, I'm a, quite the cynical and judgmental person. But <laughs> I had a hard time connecting the musical, but just kind of hearing other people's perspective on it, especially you, Kayla, it's for me, I couldn't really receive it. But other people, you know, and art is kind of a hit or a miss. Like it can't reach everyone. You know, you have to do like different types of art and go different directions sometimes. But you know, it works. Nonetheless, like someone will feel something. Hearing about how the leaders, world leaders received it, it's, it is really hopeful for me. You know, growing up, it's like, <laughs> I don't know if I'm the only one that felt that way, this way, but like, I was always feeling like our church is lame. <laughs> <laughs> it's so dull. But yeah, just the fact that people are receiving it. And I, I do think, you know, the production is beautiful and it's really, there's a lot of work that was put into it. And I think overall, yeah, it is a very charming um, set and story. And yeah, overall, I think, you know, it was telling your parents' story. There were mo moments where I felt really moved. Father Sun Hua, that happened, the 10-year Sun Hua, I really was struck by uh, Secretary Pompeo, like his speech, like, I was like, man, this guy really studied up on father's life. That's crazy. Like the fact that this, you know, national leader who's on the news all the time is speaking about father and, you know, in the way he did was amazing to me. I'm like, it's so different now with mother's leadership, right? Like people are being moved. And I think it is because there is this like, I don't know, whether people know it or not, there is a sense of grace in our movement more and more now. And I think people are really like responding to it, whether it's very little or like a lot. But, you know, when father passed away, I was 19. I felt that my life of faith really started when I was 18. I really resented the church before that. And I was, I did not have a very good image of true parents. But with my life of faith starting at 18 and father passing away at 19, I really felt abandoned, actually. Like, I just started this journey with you. Like, how dare you? Like, I was so angry. I don't, I don't think I really recognized until recently that, you know, part of me did feel really hurt, you know, father passing away. So I haven't been able to really connect with father since then, I think. And it's been more of mother. But with this, let's meet father and like this 40 day initiative to really connect with father. Like I, I did dig deep and I started reading his autobiography again, some of the history, right? in our movement that can be kind of hard to look at. There was a point where I was feeling really angry again towards father. Like, why did you do this? Like, how come you have to do this and that and that? There's just like a very emotional feeling of pain that was coming out. But with this 40 day, like I kind of had to dig deep and like I really felt father's sorrowful heart during this time. Like the stuff that he had to go through, the things that he had to overcome, but also the things he had to really sacrifice in order to move providence forward. Like it was like a very different way of looking at father for me. I was like able to read between the lines somehow when I was reading his book. And uh, it really moved me. And I had to repent for all the anger that I had towards father. 
because I was very negative. You know, it comes and goes, right? I really appreciated mother taking this initiative, like, okay, let's make this 40 days about meeting father, process what you need to process. And let's just keep moving forward. Let's meet father. Yeah, I'm I'm really grateful for mother. I think she knows where more than any of us where our movement's at. So I think this initiative was for us to heal some stuff from the past that needs to be healed. Yeah, I love that. And I, I had heard some of your testimony about the 40 days before Father Sunghua anniversary before and I was really struck, Eko, with just how intentional you have been in that. Because, you know, if I can relate with the anger and frustration towards father there. I think as I became a mom and a wife, when I reread father's life, there's certain parts of it that are, are so painful for me, you know, leaving behind his first family. That, that part, I, uh, it's still quite difficult for me to deal with. And I think it it also kind of echoes the frustrations of some second generation who have left the church because they look at father's life and they say, well, he didn't practice what he preached, you know, look at his family, that kind of thing. But I also had the same experience as you, Eko, is, is somehow this time and this year, and I think part of that is is my deepening relationship with True Mother as I, I started to see father differently And I started to see him as a man who loved God and loves God. And he did the very best he could in incredibly difficult situation. It's a compassion, if that makes sense. That has shifted. And mother's words or mother's energy around like wanting to comfort father in this time shifted that for me too, is she doesn't have that. She doesn't have anger. She doesn't have frustration. She lived the life with him. (laughs) She has nothing but compassion and true love for him. And I, I could see the gap between me and mother. So think it's a good thing especially as women I think we have to go through that journey it's okay to feel the frustration the anger with our church and true parents whatever it is but don't don't let it like fester we have to digest it and figure out what's God's perspective in it and mother has led that way mother has modeled that in in such an incredible capacity there's so much to learn from her in that way um I just wanted to add to that that um I read father's autobiography too with this meet father 40 days and Dr. Young invited us in Alaska as well toward the end of that you know after after the Sangwa. So I was kind of reading it for both, like connecting with father, but also preparing to go and meet father in Alaska. Like, I feel like for me that meeting father didn't really end with the Sangwa because I was preparing to go to Alaska, which I'd never been. And father has laid incredible foundation there. So I feel like my heart was preparing throughout the whole August. Since ever I became mom uh, myself, I'm just deeply double moved, I guess, from mother. Like, it's like, so like, when Eiko, when you were saying that, you know, all this singing and dancing sometimes, you know, like, uh, you can be cynical around it and be like, oh, I, you know, what is this? this is all cheesy kind of thing. I used to be like that before, but since ever I had my my daughter, <laughs> anything that's a festival, that's dancing, that's music, it doesn't, it just becomes a different perspective on it <laughs> with your children. Maybe Kelly can relate to this, but like my whole idea on how Koreans celebrate and how they tell you, oh, you stand up and sing kind of thing. Before I used to find that so odd. I'm like, I've been invited when I was in Korea and I'm like, that's odd. Like, I don't know how to sing. What are you talking about? You're putting me on a spot. But now that I'm a mother myself and I'm a parent, I just find it like such a, a heart of celebration. Like I feel God has expressed himself through that 
fascination of wanting to always celebrate or sing or dance. But anyway, beyond that point, I've also become so much more empathetic toward mother because reading father's life one more time and trying to meet father through this 40 day, I feel like um, I've never really had any anger or resentment toward father. Like when I met the movement, I feel like father for me was like a hero because I did feel like when he was talking about the ideal of true parents, it felt like what I'd been longing my whole life to hear that word, true parents. And I didn't really investigate so much if he himself had perfectly done that thing to his family, but I took the ideal and felt like if I can achieve this, that would be so great. But when I'm when I became a mom and reading father's life and everything he had to do, I'm like, I just can't believe that there is people who cannot recognize the role of mother. I just get so much more like this tearing heart for both of them. Like he couldn't enjoy the postpartum, his wife, the cuddling, the, the, the children, the smell of baby. Like he couldn't enjoy that, but she also couldn't have that full support. Of course, there were a hundred women around her, but there is nothing that like that couple bonding over their baby and over their little children and how to raise them. But, but they had this gigantic, like crushing mission, you know, that it, to me, it's so like unbelievable. So I don't know. I feel like it's so healing to understand true parents after you become a parent. For me, that has been a bit transformative, I think. It's really good to hear your perspective, Romina, because it's like you joined the church. You you didn't, you weren't born in the church. And it's always like inspiring to hear because like it really humbles me. It's like such a different perspective. And it's like people are yearning for love, yearning for true parents. And it's just like, yeah, I'm so humbled. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, right on, Nico. I think it's true. So Romina, we're, we need to hear more of your story, I think. <laughs> I think it also echoes this feeling that I think second generation, although it's been very difficult to be raised in a, a movement that's been transforming and has providential mission, there's a lot that we take for granted because we've been surrounded by it our whole life and we don't know anything different. So it is always moving to hear you know, those who have joined the church and what brought them to the church that are our age, you know, it's not just something that happened in the 70s, but it's happening now too. So thank you for that. I'll go to the next paragraph here, which is also only a few sentences, but I'm sure we'll still have lots to say. <laughs> so mother continues and she says, it was true father's wish also to live a life of service to heavenly parent on earth. However, the history of humankind since the fall has been a very difficult one. Throughout the world today, where despair rather than hope is inevitably felt, the environment that was to be the kingdom of heaven on earth that Heavenly Parent dreamed of is instead the harsh reality we presently have on this planet due to the problems of war, ideology, disease, and human ignorance. I remember being young and feeling like Father was very repetitive in his speeches you know what I mean? And it, it kind of got like, well, can he come up with something new? You know? <laughs> and when mother started making more public speeches, it felt like a lot of new content. But now I see mother becoming also very repetitive. And I, I'm older and more mature now. And I can see it's because maybe one, we haven't really got what she's saying. And two, she, she wants the, the same message to be understood. So there's no confusion. 
And so whenever mother makes these public speeches, we have to keep in mind here, this is not just church members at this speech. This is, you know, world leaders. We Right before we went through a, a huge international conference with heads of state and government leaders and so forth. And so what is mother saying to them? And mother is looking back on history and looking back since the fall. And she's trying to make it really clear that this is not how the world was supposed to be. And that's a simple concept. Yeah, of course, we can agree with it. But I think she's very serious about it. And, you know, Mother's talking about the environment more in her speeches. She's talking about very practical things, about taking care of the world. She's talking about problems of war, ideology, disease, and human ignorance. So I, I think she's trying to mm, very simply help us recognize that we're not the way we're supposed to be. And if that's true then what's the next step? And that question is up to us. And, and I appreciate Mother's very practical approach to all of this. She's making space to see, you know, our very fatherly energy is like, we need to go do this and go fix this and save the world. But what's different about Mother's style, and it's not like one is better than the other, but, you know, Mother brings it up and then kind of leaves it in our hands. I almost feel like she's trying to stimulate our original heart and our mind to take ownership. She's not just, she doesn't want to be the leader telling everybody what to do. She's counting on us to hear those words, recognize those words, and kind of own it in our heart and cultivate something to contribute to the solutions of the problems that she's bringing up. It's a very different style of leadership. And I think it's good for this age, right? And good for our generation of people too, who have a lot of creativity and innovation. And if they're given the space, they can really come up with some amazing solutions for that. I, I almost wish the next sentence that comes after was part of this paragraph, because I do feel that it fits all together. And then the, the tone changes. <laughs> it's a good point. We can read that sentence. The, the next sentence, maybe there's an error in how they translated it. The next sentence says, unpredictable climate change is making things difficult for humankind and for the earth. And you're right. The next sentence is like a totally different topic. So maybe that's an error there. So we include climate change in the conversation. Go ahead, Ramina. <laughs> yeah, because I was about to talk about this um problems that today we face you know and and it seemed like that next sentence just fitted right there but i was uh, looking earlier um disaster natural disasters in 2022 and oh boy it's a list of them it's like a lot it's things i had not even thought of and countries i had not not even crossed my mind like floods in pakistan and hunger you know from 2019 to now the past 3 years from 140 some million it's 340 some million people that sleep hungry every night and that was shocking to read um, there's a fifth season of no rain in certain areas of africa that's why their crops are failing so that's why the hunger has tripled you know almost there is so much going on in the in the world, and I, I love Mother's approach to her speeches because I do feel she really resonates with young people, and she really resonates with our generation. Sometimes, you know, members complain, you know, in the church that, oh, our, our second gen tithing, 
<laughs> and it's kind of like always like an issue, like our second gen really tithing. But they, whenever I approach this with second gen, for them, it's not so much giving money. It's more like, what are you doing with it? Like, what's the cause? What are what am I giving for? What am I getting out of it? Like in in not in a selfish way, but like how am I like enriching myself through it? You know, and I feel like they have a really beautiful point there obviously there's value into giving into an organization that's trying to you know raise you and your family with good values and everything i don't want to get into that but there's a really good point into their question our generation nowadays really cares about a cause really cares about improving the world like bettering the world before how things were done was more kind of like you know we have a cause we could have got in the streets tell all the people march the band and tell them you know god is whatever messiah is here and stuff like that but how mother is leading us she comes from such a place of compassion and empathy and love for the whole planet like she doesn't really care if you believe in climate change or not she sees what's happening and it's real you know and I feel like these kind of speeches of mother, her heart, how she, like you'd say that all she would talk here is just father, father, father. But then suddenly she's like, yeah, like there's some predictable climate change and there's problems for ideology, disease and human ignorance. And like she's talking to everybody about things that father also cared, although he never had time to address all of this. He really had to address restoration and some deeper, you know, unv- invisible things that's hard to understand sometimes. But she is really like carrying on that heart further. Like, okay, we've resolved lineage. We've resolved this invisible things that goes on in God's restoration and providence. But now let's focus, you know, sometimes you go from internal to external. Now, like we have all of these other external things to look at. I don't know. I feel like she makes me conscious, like, wow, like the world needs me. The world is suffering. Like, what can I do to add value wherever I'm at? Like, I never thought of drought or even though Arizona is in a desert. I'm like, how do we find all the water? Who are we damaging or taking water from? Like when I leave my tub open, right? Like it might look so little, right? But it's like the whole big world that's not having crops to eat, like 345 million people going like, hungry at night like and and you know we can throw food so mother saying these things and 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 awakening our conscience and tickling our minds of like wait what what does she mean by like climate change climate disaster maybe i don't believe in this because i think it's like a hocus pocus but let me let me check about it oh it's real like you know so it's like wow like mother has no sides mother just really loves the planet and she loves people and she's trying to put this content out there so because the audience right maybe it's a a lot of republicans or a lot of like uh conservatives that you know are focused on other stuff beside climate but she really is not being a people pleaser she is trying to really speak out the truth and and i feel like our generation could should and have the greatest potential to be her, her her biggest like not just cheerleaders but really like take her her mission into our hearts and, and run with it you know i find it really interesting that she was talking to an audience of politicians from america so texas right now we're leading up to the the midterm elections so you see all these signs Vote for this person, vote for this person. You just see so clearly the divide in our nation. It is the only thing both sides do is just attack each other. Why can't we just like work together, y'all? I mean, to me, it's just like, oh, power grab, like, right? Like one side just wants power. The other side also just wants power. Real solution is 
comes from working together as one whole nation, right? Mother talks about human ignorance, like where does ignorance come from? It's denial, right? Denial, what's going within yourself, what's going on around you, like the past. It's like, we have to really look at things the way it was, really move forward. Like we need to find a solution, figure it out, work together and keep moving forward. And I think we're just so stuck because we're not doing that. And that's why there's more of a divide. What Romina was saying, like people are going hungry, right? Reverend Jackson, who is my pastor in Dallas, he was saying like, America, if America gives to the whole world, we won't even suffer. Like we won't even go hungry and the world will be sleeping with full stomachs. It's just like, we're just at a point where it's like the world is suffering. America is also like going crazy. It's like, what do we do? If we really receive true parents and their vision, like people will want to give. People will want to like just live for the sake of others. Yeah. That's beautiful, Eiko. Thank you for sharing that. Maybe that's why Mother is talking about this stuff in front of these American politicians and and figures, because America's role really is the elder son nation, like really, you know, in Albania, at least my culture, that is that um, the sons take care of their, if if there's a sister unmarried or something, the brother will take care of her. Uh, If the parents need help or parents are elder, the son will take care of it. So like, there's so much significance when you say you are the son of the family, like the older son of the family. And uh, if the world is our family made by our heavenly parent, and his dream was for this family to be flourishing, but it's in this miserable situation that mother describes here, you know, uh, with all of the, the war and ideology and disease that's going on then this, the elder son has to to protect his parents and protect his brothers and sisters somehow so but here we are <laughs> thinking that we need to hoard food but the world is hungry so so i do think you know mother is really yeah mother's mother really trying to to speak to these people in front of her from america like she really wants them to open their hearts and hear that yeah, our role is really caretaker of the world. Like, you know, anyway, I'm, I'm personally really grateful to America because Balkan, where I come from, has suffered through some some genocides and wars. And if America did not interfere and, and, and protect us, my father is in military. And if you ask my father, he has a high respect, you know, for, for the role of American military in that area. Because the genocide from Serbia and from some some other stuff that were happening there was just terrible. Like we hosted refugees at our home from Kosovo, like and and their stories were heartbreaking. So because America interfered, that was over. You know, if they left us on our own mercy, nobody was doing anything. So so America has this beautiful power if we want to to heal all of this things that are going on around the world, especially when it comes to, you know, just very simple stuff like like simple disease and hunger, you know, things that nobody wants them, neither this side or that side. So well I, I wanted to also bring up this point that what are the the problems that mother is highlighting here? And you know, I remember when George Floyd was killed and Black Lives Matter came out, of course that was a huge cause that our generation was very passionate about in general. I have wondered and maybe struggled with mother doesn't address those things directly. What I've come to now is that she, of course, she knows what's going on and she sees what's going on. But what she's talking about are are the root causes of all the difficulties that we're facing in society. And so she knows that none of these problems can be addressed from God's point of view if we don't first deal with this last point, which she says is human ignorance. And that comes from us not knowing who we are as God's children. 
And I also want to highlight that, like, when we did, there was two Changpyeong events in America in the last few months. One was in Las Vegas, one was in New York. And I was part of the panel for both of those for a second generation meeting. And, and both times, some very strong questions, several questions came up about LGBTQ issues and how do we handle that as a church. I was struck by that because it's the question that I think a lot of young people are struggling with. And Father had some very strong words about that topic, right? And I think we hurt some people. I think our generation is different because we've grown up or we have friends who are who are gay or, you know, my neighbor is transgender, you know, and there, if you have a personal relationship with somebody, your whole concept about that area changes because you have to love people. These are people in your life and you have a personal relationship with them. I just want to highlight that mother isn't addressing that, right? She's not saying this is the issue that we need to address, you know, on either side, right? She's not positive or negative on either side. She sees it, she's aware of it, but the more important problem is like the root is, is our ignorance about who we are as God's children. And if, like, that's what we should be focusing on instead of attacking people and blaming people and judging people. If we can't fix the problem within ourselves, like have peace with heavenly parent and practice true love in our life and all of that, then none of those problems can be fixed. That that is the root of all of this. And and I I think that's a very like mature motherly kind of way to address problems in the family, right? You don't you don't point out like your one kid's flaw because they're the loudest flaw in the family or like the, you know, actually in my family these days, my husband and I have been noticing when one of our children is starting to act out regularly, like be less patient with our our their siblings or be more selfish or whatever it is, we've gotten in this habit of, of looking at ourselves and seeing, you know, are we off or have we not invested enough in this child? And it's been very transformative that instead of saying, don't yell at your, your brother or don't take that or don't do that. Instead, I hug this kid and I say, hey, I look him in the eye and say, hey, I can see maybe you're having a hard time right now. And I just want you to know that I love you. And I see you. And I've had experiences where one of my kids will just burst into tears in that moment because they're seen and they're loved and they're appreciated. And that's their relationship to God at this age, right? So that's a metaphor for us and society's problems that if we can't restore that love relationship, then we're going to continue to act out and hurt one another. And so it's just interesting to see what mother highlights as a problem in the world it's, it's like such an abstract concept. That's the hard part is it doesn't always feel practical to say, peace starts with me or, you know, the family is the school of love. Like <laughs> none of that translate into policies or <laughs> into like practical ideas. But the older I get, the more I realize that's really what it's about. And it's the basic point that history and humanity is missing. Adju, amen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Shall we do the last paragraph, ladies? I was looking forward to this paragraph. So here we go. Mother says, what did father say to you all today? Did he just tell you to just stop and let the fruits of your efforts pass by without hope? Surely not. Is true father asking you to become one with true mother who is leading the providence on earth? Then father will bless you to work together with mother and to spread to all of humankind the fact that heavenly parents love is with us from heaven 
and bless the entire human race to form beautiful Chunbo families that can fulfill their responsibilities as filial sons and daughters and loyal citizens serving and attending Heavenly Parent. Are you going to make that determination and put it into practice? I believe in you. I love you. First of all, this was a short speech at the Sanghua Memorial. The main point of this speech was very striking to me. The point here is, Mother says, is True Father asking you to become one with True Mother? And when the original translation came through, it was much more direct than that, right? It was like very plainly like, did Father tell you to unite with Mother? You know, very simple, something like that. And I, I was struck by that. And I thought it was a bold statement. And leading up to the Sun Hua Memorial, I thought it was very beautiful that Mother made this 40-day condition for our members to connect with Father. I've, I felt comforted because it can quiet, you know, Sanctuary Church, which says that Mother doesn't love Father, right? We all were asked to do a 40-day condition to love Father and connect with Father. And then what's the conclusion of that condition is very interesting Mother is, is trying to highlight the fact that if you really were to connect with Father, if you really were to meet Father, what would he say to you? And ideally, what he's saying is, please unite with Mother. I'm with her. Like, don't, don't question it, especially for the elder first generation. When Father died, it was like an end of a dynasty for them because father is who they they personally had relationship with right they really especially american members we got a lot of access to true parents in the early days my parents have stories of you know going shopping with father and everyone being nervous and father like taking off his shirt in the middle of the store and trying it on just to make people uncomfortable and challenge them you know these precious personal memories of father and i think when father passed and now everybody looked at mother, who mother wasn't as much of a prominent figure. She's not as charismatic. She's not, you know, that person. She's, she's a different kind of energy. I think it was, it's been lonely for a lot of elder first generation. And now in America, Dr. Yong is here. And I think he has a lot of father's energy in him. So what I see with morning devotion is a lot of first generation feel like it's the old days, if that makes sense, right? They can connect with this fatherly energy. And he talks about father so much with so much passion. And I, I recognize the beauty of all that. But what I'm saying is that it's been hard, I think, for our elder first generation to really break through with, with mother, because that energy isn't why they joined the church, right? They, it wasn't a, a, such a formative experience when they were young members of the church. You know, you have to think, mother says this so gracefully, right? She, she says it so humbly and, and simply that father is asking you to be one with me. She's, she has a right to be frustrated. She has a right to be mad and get straightforward and say, look, guys, pay attention. I'm here. You know, hello. Why aren't you uniting with me? She can say all those things, but she doesn't. She does it with grace and she does it with patience in a very motherly energy. I'm just struck by this idea that all this energy of meeting father and uniting with father and kind of feeling father's spirit, if we do it correctly, it should lead us to mother. I'm moved by that because there is no separation. I've I've really tried to break through with father 
in the last year and I go on late night walks and I look at the moon, you know, there's a, a reference to father and the moon energy and that I talk to father and I ask him to help me, you know, break through, understand his heart. But I, I keep coming back to mother. That's what I keep coming back to. And so I, I love this idea that there is not a separation between them. Maybe they have different styles and they have different speaking styles and all of that, but their heart and their movement is in the same direction. And it's very moving for me. Yeah, I love this paragraph too. And when she said from the stage, I love you, it just melted my heart from home. And then she gave this candy to the leaders. And I was very selfish at that moment. And I was like, oh, I wish I got one of mother's candies and father's candies at that moment. And then um, Uncle Steffenberg, he was in Korea with y'all. And when he came back, he had a couple of candies for me and my husband. Oh, <laughs> and I Felt so loved, like I felt like, oh, mother heard me when I was saying it from the screen. <laughs> she sent me candies, even though I couldn't go there and receive her candy. And it was just like a, a childlike moment, you know, when when your parent gives you something and you're like so excited. So I felt like that much more connected with both mother and father. I felt like, oh, they they hurt my heart. Um, another thing that I wanted to add to this one, we we had an uncle who passed away recently. Um, from cancer, but he lived very closely with true parents. He served mother, actually. He was mother's driver for a little bit. And, you know, and he shared some Uncle Gary Young. And so he shared some very beautiful, intimate, like personal moments, you know, with true parents, but also like with how mother was, like mother's behavior in the car and, and mother's heart and how she just like offer people a fruit or something and, and how she'd like make comment like about, oh, you should dress this way or like like a mother, you know? So, and, and my husband captured this life testimony, you know, when he knew he had no more hope and everything. So my, my, my husband said, Hey, would love to capture your testimony. And, and he has left behind like a very beautiful, like video, but um, his heart for true mother made me also admire and appreciate even more the kind of woman she is. And I'm like, Oh, no wonder she has been able to unite for, for 50 years plus with father and, and, and lead the Providence after father. You know, because she has developed that kind of heart and character and integrity and 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 joy within her and humility. I don't know. It's just like it, it really feels that if I want to become a real human being, like a true daughter of God, like it's not that you need to emulate her personality, but you sh- emulating those that character, you know, that truthful character. And I feel like when this uncle was talking about her, it just that much more expanded my dream of who I could be like who I could become for my children and for the future generations. So I feel like mother is sometimes with father, I feel like he's so high and mighty, but mother is, I feel I can become like her, you know, and I feel like she's more touchable, like tangible. And I love this about her because as a woman, we always looking for a role model to emulate or to, we admire, we look up to like in the church as well. I look up to so many sisters and I'm like, oh, I, I, I like want to develop that character, like the sister, like I love how she serves or I love like how she treats her children. So I learn a lot from that. So I feel mother is it's kind of like that. Like she's not an intangible, perfect woman somewhere in the pedestal. Like, and I love this because sometimes there's some misunderstanding, even who Jesus was, right? It just feels so impossible to like love like Jesus or or be like Jesus. And and that's not what heavenly parent wants. That's not what your parents want. They want us to be like them. So in this aspect, I have so much appreciation for, for mother. But at the same time, another thing that I, strikes me in this is 
Did he tell you just to stop and let the fruits of your effort pass by without hope? I think this is a very powerful sentence because I can see it's what you mentioned, Kayla, about like the older first generation feeling, you know, that when father kind of passed, just like the end of this glorious time, you know. But actually, one thing that I've really felt lately, you know, when I hit 30, I I turned 30 this year, I I felt a little bit depressed. (laughs) Because I did feel like if I was meant to do anything wonderful in my life, I should have done it in my 20s. And nothing wonderful really happened. (laughs) (laughs) My husband counted me a list of them, but I don't know why I didn't feel like I had accomplished something really great. We could feel that with getting older, maybe we fight less or maybe we give less our best. Not sure if that's the right English to use, but yeah, maybe we, we, we do less of our best because it does, I don't have as much energy or I'm growing older or I can't change anymore as much as I could change in my 20s and 30s, you know, like I'm who I am or something like that. But this sentence is just so beautiful. It's like, did he tell you to stop and let the fruits of your effort pass by without hope? No, right? Not really. Like we can fight until our last breath to to become better, to do better. Uh, Sometimes when your children are not blessed in our movement is like this cloud on your head, like, oh, but, but my children are not blessed. And I, I, I like have this thing inside of me because I'm a first generation and I was witness because of the effort that you gave, even though your own children might not be quote unquote blessed per the whole standard and law of the heaven that we're leaving by this time in our movement, but I'm blessed and my husband and I will love your children and I want to help your children and I'm going to build a community with your children. So isn't that as a beautiful fruit of your labor and investment of seven years MFT, seven years witnessing? That's to me, that's also like if Ayana doesn't end up getting per se blessed in my movement, it doesn't make the fruit of my life go to waste. Like I'll love her no matter what. And I'll want her to build, you know, I'll, I'll always teach her to build a family centered on God with whomever, you know, she will decide to. Our love for people, it's what we pass on. It's not a certain act. Uh, and that's what I feel like mother is really trying to encourage these members. Like, hey, like, please, like, keep growing, you know, keep keep becoming, keep overcoming. God wouldn't want you to give up because per se, you couldn't become Chombo by such and such year, or you couldn't achieve this many blessings or liberations by such and such, because we kind of do function a little bit on these numbers and terms a little bit. But mother's heart goes way beyond that. Like to me, this really, yeah, warms my heart so much. Like, oh, like I have a whole lifetime. And and even if I w- wouldn't have a whole lifetime, but whatever time I have, you know what I mean? Like it's still going at it with a growth mindset, going at it that I, I will never stop growing. However things turn out, it's a powerful message. I think mother trying to, to give. Yeah, surely not, she says. So humbling again to hear Romina's perspective. <laughs> like, holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> You know, for me, it's like, you know, I have this part of me that's very accusational towards first gen, right? Because it's like, you like totally left your families and your kids astray. Like we, like there were many of us that wasn't nurtured, but like hearing Romina's perspective, it's like, well, you gave me life and I'm here to love your children now and help them through it. I mean, you know, that's a whole different perspective. I like, I have never thought of. So thank you, Romina. It's like so humbling <laughs> to listen to you. Yeah. And just, uh, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but also just to recognize in my heart of hearts, because my husband is a first gen too. So we both really genuinely recognize 
And we try always to recognize it even more, the pain that is in the second generation, because it is real. And the accusation that comes of the heart has a lot of foundation and a lot of real basis. Absolutely, 100%. And we, we, can, feel, we can feel that because, <laughs> anyway, I, I'm getting a little bit emotional, but it's, it's valid. I don't know how to explain it better than this, but it's valid. It's real. It's raw. And um, it, it cannot be displayed. Like it cannot be displayed in any way or form, no matter the new fresh perspective that young first gen like me bring on the table. It's very, it's a, it's a precious pain I feel. And it's a valid pain uh, if, if I can put it that way. So. Beautiful. Yeah. Ramina, you're making us cry here. <laughs> yeah, seriously, man. And thank you. Yeah. I think, you know, I think a lot of second gen gone through so much because Providence is hard. I mean, even your mother acknowledges in this speech, like it's just been so hard providentially since the fall. Yeah, I feel, you know, I feel like I have a lot to say about this topic, but I'm trying to be careful because I can turn a little negative. I do want to be real, but I also don't want to come off, accuse anyone because it's like at the end of the day, our parents felt incredible love through your father. And I kind of go back to my point, like, because like there was no sense of every person who has walked on this earth, whether it was 6,000 years ago or 10 years ago or like whatever, they've never really experienced the true love of parents. And they had to work with what they did and they did their best with what they had. I have to really acknowledge that aspect of first generation. Like I'm sure many of them came from backgrounds that was very difficult. They did their best and then they received father's love. And I feel a lot, there's a a lot of stuff coming up, but I think what I want to say, and this was mentioned before, I think in this podcast, uh, I know Hannah probably brought it up like back in the days when father was alive, like this movement was like very father centric, almost as if like it was led by a single father. There's like only so much you can do with just one parent. You need both parents. And I think mother understands that people really loved father. But I think she's really like trying to communicate with it to us. But there's more to it. Like you can grow, you can do so much more when both parents are received. I wish this was, you know, this whole aspect of true parents with mother being also like accepted happened in the 60s when they got, you know, married, when the marriage supper of the lamb happened. Because a part of me is like, oh, well, if both parents were received, then I wouldn't have gone through all this stuff, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but, you know, I just have to like realize like, okay, well, it didn't happen at the time. But it's happening now. Mother is calling us to unite with her because she knows that we need a true mother that can embrace us, that can love us and heal us and forgive us. I think this is like a motherly heart, right? Like she sees all her children like really hurting. And she knows that she's here and she's here to really love and embrace each and every one of us to, so that we can heal and be who we truly are as God's sons and daughters. But she also isn't like demanding, right? She, like you said, Kayla, she's patient with us. That's another dimension of motherhood, like the patience that a mother have for her children. Ladies, this has been absolutely beautiful. I'm a big believer in the importance of like getting honest and real. And that's how growth happens, especially in the family. And I just want to 
thank both of you for being authentic and genuine and sincere. I want to ask each of you to take a minute and think about your closing final thoughts or words of wisdom, or, you know, we've talked about quite a bit today, actually. (laughs) quite a variety of topics, but I want to invite each of you to to just share kind of like what came up from you from this experience or what still needs to be said before we close out today's episode. I'm really glad, first of all, Kayla, that you're doing these podcasts because I do feel that hopefully through people like personally for me, when I have heard the other podcasts, I can, I can resonate. I can resonate and I can, and I can see mother's talks in a new light. I can see things I had not seen before or just read, you know, maybe in an Hundake and, and never really noticed it was there. I'm, I'm really glad you're going through this. It's very precious. We've talked so much about true father's words and father's speeches, like, but, you know, really unlocking a lot of stuff. And secondly, one of the things that I really want to leave with is I think God's feminine energy has really longed to manifest itself throughout the world. Uh, I was hearing one time a podcast where it said that man's destructive energy is through physical fight, but women's destructive energy is through reputation destruction. So women can hurt with words and and reputation destruction, and men can hurt with physic, like with, with fights. And actually physical, to be physical, you have to be face to face, (laughs) but to be negative with your words, you don't even have to be face to face. You can be all across the world and spread it very quickly. So I think as much as it can be our weakness, it can actually be our greatest strength. If we can plant uh, negative things with words, we can plant amazing things with words all across the world. And this world, this words can cross boundaries nowadays in the information age so quickly. So I do, and, and we live in this information age and if this is our strength, our uniqueness to really lead through, through, through the word, through the compassion, through grace, and grace can transpass any, any boundaries, any borders, I do feel that this is the time for women not to shine above men, because this is always seen a little bit like uh, bad, this kind of way of saying when women shine, but to really, we can manifest our greatest potential, I think, in this age through true mother and, you know, her manifesting herself fully on behalf of Heavenly Mother gives us that permission and that green light, like go girls, like you can now manifest your best version, your best self, and you can create that sisterhood around the world. And I feel like even that's what your podcast is also doing, like creating that sisterhood and some brothers too, but yeah, creating that sisterhood where we can really learn how to shine in our own light. That is for me, just even just you take two sentences out of this whole, I believe in you. I love you. I'm like, wow, that encapsulates what women can best do in their life is I believe in you. I love you. If we can become truly that full manifestation of this phrase, um, for me, that is my dream personally to become. I want to become this woman who believes in others and loves others. Not quite there yet, <laughs> a long road to go, but I, I really feel, yeah, this is just an amazing time to live in with mother's leadership and mother's guidance on how to become that kind of woman and that kind of leader in the society. Thank you, Kaylee, for for inviting me for this podcast. I think, you know, a part of me feels that I'm a little unorthodox when it comes to <laughs> church things um, in our movement. I, you know, I've been on this path of healing that I've been going through for some time now. 
has been really amazing, especially with your mother. And the more I'm on it, the more I recognize how much I'm lacking in my femininity. But, you know, it's not a bad thing. It's like, okay, well, you know, I lacked in it. I didn't have it in my life. My mother was very masculine. My father was kind of distant. So I didn't really have a father figure, really. It's not that I don't have hope to regain my femininity. It's just the process of healing. I think a lot of BCs are in a similar similar place that I am in, um, especially like our age. I'm really happy to have a place where I can say these things and I can freely express like what happened in our movement and how we can move forward from it. I think mother is really encouraging us to look at our past and our relationship with our parents and like have compassion for our parents and forgive our parents so that we can move forward as second generation, third generation. If we don't do that, we're going to just keep passing the same thing on and on and on and on and on to the next generation, to the next and the next. And that's hopeless, right? But mother's like, Hey, there's grace. We can do this. We can do this. And I, I just, I just want to express to everyone, like, who's listening, like, no matter where you're at, and no matter how hope, hopeless you feel, like, there's grace and there's forgiveness. And whenever you're ready, it's always there for you. That's the only thing I can really truly testify to is like that grace and forgiveness and love that your mother has brought, and like what it truly means to be a true woman. I could go on about that, but I'm just gonna leave it at that. Yeah, beautiful ladies. I mean, I, I've i had like tears on the, the brim of my eyes in this last half of this session. I don't know, somehow I feel like we tapped into something really significant. And I think that's also what Mother Spirit does is, is make space to get here. And even though we're bringing up challenges and all of that, it's in the space of growth and in the space of, you know, a heavenly energy and we didn't always have that in the early days of the church. So I'm, I'm really grateful for both of you being the kind of women you are and, and making the space with me today. And I hope those who listened also can feel that and make space for that in their life. So thank you both so much for joining today. And uh, yeah, you're wonderful. I really love you both. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Kaylee. Yeah, I'm really happy. <laughs> Really happy to see you and talk to Romina. Yes, it's been nice. It's wonderful.